Hello and welcome to the Anishinaabe History Podcast. I'm Chris Wee. In today's episode, we're talking about Tecumseh. He was a Shawnee leader around the year 1800. His brother, Tescawate, was a medicine man and prophet. Together, they tried to unite a pan-Indian movement against the encroaching Americans. Tecumseh was born in 1768 and died in combat in 1813 at Moravian of the Thames in what is now Chatham-Kent, Ontario. In other words, Tecumseh and Tescawate lived between the years of American independence from Britain in 1776 and the beginning of the Trail of Tears in 1813. The Americans at the time were being squeezed by the French and by the British. America needed resources and manpower to maintain its recent independence from the British Commonwealth. Alliances were made and broken, and so were treaties. Massacres of people from all over the world occurred. In Rupert's land, the fur trade was not yet exhausted. In Europe, Napoleon was creating an empire. And in 1803, America purchased Louisiana from France. In fact, Tecumseh was about 35 years old when the Louisiana Purchase occurred. Tecumseh realized that selling land to the Americans equaled the loss of the Shawnee traditional way of life. Not only that, but also he realized that the loss of other indigenous people's ways of living were going to occur because of western expansion and territorialization via land sales. In other words, each treaty equaled the loss of a way of life. In order to hunt, fish, and trap, land is needed. Tecumseh endeavored with his brother the prophet at his side to create a pan-Indian government and nation composed of all the Indian tribes and nations of North America. This was while native people were beginning to be forcefully moved westwards. Tecumseh's rebellion was actually a political bastion for the continental way of life of all native peoples against full-on genocide. In the early 1800s, the Trail of Tears was the forced relocation of Indian tribes from east of the Mississippi to west of the Mississippi. The military experience obtained by Andrew Jackson during this expedition helped him to win the American presidency in 1829, years after the initial massacres. Jackson is today memorialized on the American $20 bill. Another trail, the famous Oregon Trail, across which many settlers traveled, began growing in earnest after the illegal and immoral forced removal of native peoples. The Oregon Trail was carved by tears and bloodshed. That's why the Indian tribes of the West retaliated. Through that retaliation, the famous Wild Wild West cultural motif was born via bloodshed and illegal occupation. Over the millennia, humans have devised innumerable ways of attempting to control larger and larger groups of people. At the time when Romans invaded England, each Roman senator had his own personal army of thousands of men divided into groups of 100, hence centurions. London now exists because of an ancient Roman garrison. The Romans had forts throughout their frontier in the same way that the French, British, and eventually the Hudson's Bay Company had forts. The British and French occupation of the New World was a copy of the Romans' venture into Europe nearly 2,000 years prior.
Today, the American military has over one million active troops. How do we pay for armies to protect us? Taxes. How do we feed armies? Farms. In order to have a large army protecting a large population, you have to have a tremendous amount of land. Would-be Canadian homesteaders were offered 160 acres per man in the family. And so the wagon trails and railroads were laid down through the former nations of the plains via military expeditions. Shawnee, Cherokee, Sioux, Cree, Nez Percy, and many more nations were massacred and relocated for the sake of Western expansion. Treaties were thus signed under extreme duress. Land use and the rights to use land are at the foundation of all human societies, regardless of type of technology used. Small groups divide up the hunting or fishing spots. Large groups divide conquered countries on pieces of paper called maps. This is why treaties and the rights and responsibilities resultant due to the signing of the treaties are so important. Treaties are not footnotes to history. They are the foundations upon which societies are built. For instance, the first hydroelectric generating plants in North America were built at Niagara Falls in the 1880s. The Niagara region had been occupied by French forts in order to control commerce on and around the Great Lakes since the 1600s. The French and the British fought in the New World, and America and Canada were born from the conflict. Meanwhile, many different First Nations were subsumed by the continuous warfare. In the Niagara region, some of the indigenous peoples were the Iroquois and the Huron. These indigenous populations were caught up in ancient European vendettas. It was in this context of transatlantic warfare that peace treaties and alliances were made. The warfare continued at large and every combatant and refugee endeavored to gain an advantage. Horses, firearms and organized militaries were advantages for decades. Eventually, petroleum and electricity were added to the mix. Benjamin Franklin conducted his famous experiment with kite and key in 1752. Over a hundred years later, in 1879, Thomas Edison was eventually able to produce a reliable light bulb in his laboratory. Yet it wasn't until 1935 that the Rural Electric Administration was created under President Roosevelt, promising electricity to poor farmers, equal to the system found in cities at the time. To get electricity from rivers to cities, land must be occupied by a like-minded population. And in order to have a like-minded population, you need to regulate them, keep them in order, and keep their work efforts going in the same direction, so that the hard work actually pays off. Half a century after the Niagara Falls hydroelectric generating station was first built, the Tecumseh Company was founded after its founder learned his trade working for Henry Ford. The small engines that the Tecumseh Company manufactured produced only a few horsepower, but it enabled the machines to do a lot of work. The Tecumseh Company began in 1934 by making small engines like the one you might see on a lawnmower in Tecumseh, Michigan. There was also a Tecumseh, Ontario near the Windsor-Detroit border. Tecumseh is memorialized somewhat in Canada as a British ally in the War of 1812. Some historians believe that the War of 1812 helped separate the Canadian identity from the American narrative. 
the American narrative was progress at all costs. But progress at all costs is not really progress at all. For example, in industrial age Britain, the Thames River was depleted of life due to the progress that polluted it. The modern world is heading down that same path of progress. Water is poisonous in Flint, Michigan. Air is toxic in Beijing. Fracking causes earthquakes. Billions of gallons of oil are spilled all over the planet. Millions of species of animals are going extinct. And we humans will murder each other for the sake of progress. And what did Canada's elected leader say to us peons when asked to do something about the mercury dumped in the Dryden, Ontario area in the 1960s that still has deleterious effects on the Grassy Narrows First Nation population? Thank you for your donation. That's all for today's podcast, but stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I'm Chris Waite, and this has been the Anishinaabe History Podcast.